Hello, Calvary Church. It's a great joy to be with you and to just be able to spend some time together. It's incredible what has been going on these last several weeks and months, and we've been praying so much for you, and I know that you've been praying for us, and we trust that our time together can be just a great blessing to you, and trust as we worship together today, God will just enable us, and He will show us those things that we need to gather in from the Word of God, and we look forward to gathering again very soon, and we trust that the first part of July, as Peter has mentioned, that we might be able to get back together. And I know that will be a little different. It will certainly uh, seem strange that we all can't gather together, but we're just praying that even that little group that can come together week in and week out can be the beginning of us being able to be reunited and just doing things together and worshiping God together. But during this time, We've been praying for you, and I know you've been praying for us. So let me just open in a word of prayer as we look forward to ending our time in the book of Joshua. We're going to be doing Joshua chapter 24 and what Joshua wants to share with all of the people during this time. So let's just pray together. Lord, this morning we're, we're thankful for what you have done. And know, Lord, that even though in the midst of this uh, challenge and this health scene and other situations and challenges that are going on in our nation today. We cling to you. We come before you as the people of God, and we ask that you might bless our time together this morning, this day, these times. I pray that you might bless it and use it, even though it's different, even though it's been a challenge. I pray, dear Father, that you might use it in each one of our lives. As we look into the Word of God today, oh Lord, I pray that you might just use that. Help us to understand it. Help us to see you in the very pages and in the very words that you might speak to us, that the Spirit of God would provide for us something very special in the Word of God as we study and we understand these last thoughts of this great leader, Joshua and all that the children of Israel have been through during this time. And that can relate to us in our situation today. So I pray that you might bless it. I pray that you might just uh, take all these days, times, weeks that we have been apart and bring us together again in a neat way, in a united way. And when we do see one another again and we join together, for corporate worship. I pray that might be a great joy, and I pray that you might bless that. And I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know, something that's really been uh, important in everyone's life, I think, as we've uh, traveled down the journey of life, if you will, is what I call banners, or something that is really near and dear to us that are identifiers of our lives. I know you have them, and I have lots of them. As I've come to Trumbull, I made sure that I got a part of the Trumbull Eagles. I made sure I had one of these when I went to a ball game. Then we have this beautiful Trumbull football. I mean, you've got to have one of these. I mean, we're in Trumbull. Now, I know if you live in Stratford or Shelton or Monroe or some of the schools that you all attend or CHS, everybody's got a T-shirt, they got a sweatshirt, they got a hat. They have something that signifies who they like and what their allegiances are. And I like this one. You might like something else. I mean, if Kevin DeVos was here, 
he'd be yelling at me that I got to have a Red Sox something or other. And then even this little one, but so significant in our lives, we have to have one of these too. And so as I look at these things, even this one is really important to me. This is a Trumbull Eagles seat cushion. If you have ever spent any time on the bleachers, you need one of these. And you say, well, what kind of significance is all this stuff? And I know that all of you have all kinds of different things like that hanging in your closets. But you know, they do three things for us. First of all, they identify our allegiances. Now, if we move over to kind of the more important areas of life, and those are important, but there's some more important areas of our lives, we can think a little bit about this particular flag that we hardly even pay any attention to anymore. It is called the Christian flag. The Christian flag. We, we hardly even bring it out anymore. We, we, we don't really display it. And you say to ourselves, well, Dan, isn't, isn't that a little silly? And I would say to you, no, I don't think so. And the reason I say that is it is a mark of our allegiance. It's that which we believe. It's that which we follow. We have another very significant allegiance in our lives. It's this one here. It's the American flag. I pledge allegiance. Remember when we used to do that? I pledge allegiance the United States of America. Now, I know that it's not perfect. I know that we have some ills. We have some great needs and challenges. But these things are important to us. They are not only identifiers, they are symbols of that which we believe. And it's also symbols of that which we follow. We follow these things because we believe in them. We believe in Christianity. We believe in one God, crucified, risen again. We believe in the United States of America and liberty and justice for all. These are things that we hold dear, we hold as truth, and we hold important to our existence and to our lives. Well, this is the message, the final message of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24 is where we are right now. And this particular passage is incredibly significant because Joshua wants to leave with the children of Israel banners, something they can hold dear, something they can cling to, something they can believe, something that they can follow. And in those things, I believe that you will see something practical for you and I as well, even today. So that's the backdrop as we look into the book of Joshua today, chapter 24, and these great banners that he wants to leave with the people. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the first passage, which is verses 1 through 13, and we're going to see a banner. See if you can identify what Joshua is trying to say. What is Joshua trying to do in this particular opening passage, in his great message, if you will, in the book of Joshua, chapter 24? Here it goes. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he summoned the elders and the heads and the judges and the officers of Israel. 
and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob, and I gave Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children, they went down to Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards, I brought all of you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Israel, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and with horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Georgian, and they fought with you. Then I gave them into your hand, and then you took possession of their land. I destroyed them before all of you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Morah, arose, and he fought against Israel, and he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand as well. And you went over the Jordan and you came to Jericho. And Peter spoke of this just a few weeks ago. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you, but you overcame that obstacle and the Amorites and the Perizzites and Canaanites and Hittites and so on and so forth. And I sent the hornet before you, even in verse 12, which drove you out and the two kings of Amorites. But here he says in verse 13, finally, I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat of the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. So here's the first banner. I call it the banner of remembrance. The banner of remembrance. You see, here's what he does. He gathers his people together, and it's interesting where he goes. He takes all of these people, the judges and the heads of the states and the heads of the tribes and the Levites, and, and he brings everybody together, and he takes them to Shechem. Now, Shechem was a very important and, and instrumental area, a, a city of ancient Israel. It was a place that he spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Abraham in Shechem. One more time, he renewed the covenant about this very land that they were in. He gave those instructions one more time to Abraham in the book of Genesis at Shechem. It is where Jacob came back after his time in Egypt. It's where Joseph is buried. See, this is a very significant place in Israel. And so what he does is he gathers his people together and he spends time remembering. He rehearses what I call the good hand of the Lord. He rehearses 
See, I, I find myself wanting to do more and more of this. I don't know about you, but when I when I'm feel uh, a little depressed or I feel anxious or I am challenged, or my life is kind of upside down, a little topsy-turvy, a little something that maybe I, I don't understand, or I'm really imploring of the Lord something. I, I need some answers. I, 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 I want to go to the Lord, and I want to remember. I take a look back at my life, and I say, Lord, what are the stages and the journeys and the adventures and the crazy things but the great things that you have done for me. And I'll go all the way back to a homeland and to a place where God has done great things. There are two or three places, actual physical locations for me that are very significant. One is my hometown, and many people have great memories, obviously, of their hometown and where they grew up. And the town I grew up was, my mother called the town that we grew up Camelot. It was called Casanova, New York, but it was Camelot to her. And the reason it was Camelot, it was because it seemed perfect. I mean, we had a beautiful home. We were across the street from the Willowbank Yacht Club, and we would go over to the lake every day. It was a beautiful four-mile lake. Town was just like a block and a half up the street. School was just a block and a half up the street the other way. And everybody was happy. It was a good time. Our family was full of fun and adventure, and we did things together, and I had two older brothers, and everything was just Camelot. And that's kind of her picture of life. And so I go back there every now and again and journey back there and remember great, great times. Then there are places where significant moments of spirituality happen, great moments of decision, dedications, Things that I did at camp, I remember campfire services. If you ever grew up and went to camp sometime and you had campfire services and you, you sat around the campfire and you maybe told testimonies and stories of life or what God had done and speakers come and they open up the word of God and whew, for us it was great. They were important times. So what Joshua does for the people here when he sits them down and he gathers them all together he wants to share with them what God has done. Now, you realize some of those people obviously weren't there. This is maybe third, fourth generation beyond that. We're, we're talking about people that were in Egypt. Some of those people were, were in Egypt. They remember very clearly the incredible oppression in Egypt, that older generation. They'd gone through that Red Sea. They were at the Red Sea. They remember going to the Jordan. They remember going to Jericho. Joshua did. But all of a sudden, what happens is you have a new generation. You have a new group of people. You have generations upon generations, people that were born during that time, people that were born on the other side of the Jordan, didn't know anything about Jericho, or didn't know anything about the Red Sea, or didn't know anything about Egypt and all the oppression and all what happened and the slavery that went on. And so their parents and, and their Levites and their priests and their people taught them. And so some of them maybe could be hearing some of this for the first time. Or if they had heard it, this was the moment in which Joshua brings them together and tells them the story of what God has done. And I think that's a banner for us. That's something that we lift up. Remember in ancient times, and you probably remember these only from watching it on movies, you know how the, the armies would be together and they'd be on horse? 
you know, and they would have, you know, a banner. They would have a flag. The first guy and the first horseman or just to his right had the banner. What, what, did, what did that mean? I mean, again, it was an identifier. It was an allegiance. The people that were riding horses and that were great soldiers, they have an allegiance to that banner. They're going to stand with that. They're going to stand behind it. They're going to stand for it. They're going to do whatever they got to do to protect it. And they're following that. Same concept. The concept here is that this is what God has done for us. And now he tells them in that final thought of this particular passage, he says this, I gave you a land <laughs> on which you didn't labor and cities that you didn't build and you dwell in those and you eat of the fruit of the vineyard of which you didn't even plant. And you can imagine in those moments the thought process of turning to, wow, this is what God has done for us. Incredible what God has done for us. I'm living now. He divided that land. Joshua divided that land into the 12 tribes of Israel. And each one of them are now dwelling in places that they conquered, but they didn't build the city. They didn't put up the walls. They didn't, they didn't plant the vineyards. They basically did nothing. They were in Egypt and in the wilderness. And so God brings them through this Jordan, and he puts them in a place uh, that flows now as he had promised Abraham, a land that flowed with milk and honey. He gave them exactly what he had promised. And Joshua wants to remind them of that. He wants to tell them, look, you didn't work for all this. We had you doing other things, and God took you down to, uh, you went down to Egypt. I delivered you. You went to the Red Sea, and I delivered you. You went to Kadesh Barnea, and I gave you the Ten Commandments. You sent spies into the land, and they rejected that. And you died in that wilderness, and you came to this Jordan. You finally went through this Jordan. You conquered Jericho. You conquered these lands from these great people, but you didn't build any of this. I provided for you everything that you could possibly ask or want. Now, I think that's a picture, again, of you and I. I know that we work hard. We work hard. Uh, we spend many hours and many days in the places that we work and that we labor and that we want to provide for our children and our children's children. But the fact of the matter is, God is the one who gives it all. It's his. James tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the, from the Father of light. It's he that provides for us. We need to remember that. That's the first banner. The banner of remembrance. Remember it when you're in trouble. Go back. Remember what God has done and the grace and the mercy that he's given to you. Here's the second banner. We find this in the beginning portion of the verse 14. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And then this crazy little, this is an interesting passage here. He says, if, it's e if it says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. He plays this, he plays this uh, kind of back and forth 
thought process. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. And then this phrase, which is probably written on many, many walls of many, many homes, of many cross stitches, of many times that you have maybe painted it or bought the painting or bought the plaque, it says this great verse, this great thought from Joshua. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and, and he preserved all of those things in the way that we went and among from all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us these people. They recognized. When, when Joshua reminded them, now they're recognizing exactly what he's speaking about. The Lord drove these people out in verse 18, and the Amorites who lived there, therefore they say, we also will serve the Lord our God. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord, watch it, if you forsake the Lord and you serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Here's the second banner. I believe the second uh, banner is the banner of choice. It's the banner of choice. The first one is the banner of remembrance. The second one is the banner of choice. Here, here's what Joshua does. Joshua, as he sits the people and he presents himself and he presents all of the people before the Lord his God, he looks at those people and he says, let's remind ourselves of what God has done. Let's see all the beauty that we're in and all the beauty that we have and the great promises he gave to us. However, even in the midst of all this greatness, even in the midst of all this goodness, even in the midst of all that we have, let's pay attention to this choice that we are making. We want to make sure that we don't serve other gods. It is a part of the Ten Commandments. It's a reference to having no other gods before you. It's the banner of choice. We make choices every day. But we only make great life choices probably three or four times in our lives. And when I mean great choices, I mean watershed moments. That's what I call them. They are moments that are so profound. They are so big. They are so great that it is completely consuming thought. And that's what he wants to present to these people here. He comes and says, remember, now choose. Choose. What are you going to do as a result of these things? And this has been a theme, kind of as Peter has spoken through the book of Joshua, been a little bit of a theme. 
Because he knows that one day we're going to lead up to the choices that we make, to these profound moments in time that we confront something, that we see obstacles, that we see these moments, that we draw lines in the sand, that we must make a choice of what we're going to do. And here's how he presents it. He says to these people, look, this is not just an ordinary God. He says, if it's evil in your sight to serve the Lord, if you think that making this decision is going to hurt you, if you think making this decision is that bad, that evil, that destructive for you, if you're looking at this right now, and maybe you're looking at this like in, in life, in, in your moment, in, in your time, maybe you're looking at what we've gone through in this time frame. Maybe you're looking at things that are happening in the United States of America. Maybe you're things in your family and in your personal walk and in your personal life and what God's impressing upon you and this walk of faith and the experiences that you're having. And you're having to make some profound decisions and some profound choices. And you look at this and you say, if, if this is going to be so destructive that it's so evil, that's the context he puts it in, then serve other gods. But here he says, if you're going to put those gods before me, then be ready. <laughs> because God is a jealous God. I, I'm reminded of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. If you read Daniel, I think chapter 4, and you read that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar built this great monument to himself, and he wanted all the people to bow down to the great Nebuchadnezzar. When he said, I will have no, I will not, uh, I will not have other people's glory. I, I will not allow people to, to worship anything else. God looked at Nebuchadnezzar and said, I got news for you. I do not share my glory with anyone. And he took Nebuchadnezzar and he threw them off the throne. He put them in, in a pen outside of Babylon for seven years. He ate from the earth. God is a jealous God. The reality of that is he is a just God. You can choose, but be ready of the choice that you make. Because God is not going to share glory. And that isn't because God is some sort of being that, that cannot uh, share with anyone or love people. That's, that's not the concept. The concept is this, it's, it's one way or the other. And the really reality of the one way or the other is because God is holy. And that's what Joshua says to the people as well. He says, you can't serve them. Be careful. Why? Because God is holy. So the choice that you make must be one of holiness. It must be one of righteousness. That's the banner of choice. It's all for nothing. All. There isn't a part of that process. That's the choice. Lastly, he gives us one other banner, and that starts out of the book in chapter 23. He said to these people, after he's talked about remembrance, after he's talking about making a choice, he talks to them about one other banner. This is in verse 23. He said, then put away the foreign gods, as he reiterated, that, that are among you. And he says these words, incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. 
So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and he put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. Great thought here, and we'll get back to that. Joshua wrote these words, verse 26. He wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone, and he set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his, his inheritance. Here's the last one. The last one I call the banner of renouncement. The banner of renouncement. You see, there's a banner that says you must choose, but there's also a banner of renouncement. And the renounce is a, is a fascinating word. The, the word renounce really means that you are absolutely taking something in, a, in abandonment. You are utterly abandoning, abandoning something. That's what that concept is. You see, if you, take a, if you make a choice, it's not enough to make just the choice. Because I can draw a line in the sand, but if I don't renounce the evil within me, if I don't renounce the serving of other gods, if I don't renounce those things in my life, then I'm just paying lip service to that which I'm thinking ought to be correct. Because the people here said, we're going to obey the voice of God. Well, do we always obey the voice of God? You see the difference? There's one difference to say, I'm drawing a line of sand. There's another one to say, I'm absolutely renouncing those things. I'm putting away those things. And that's what he's talking about here. When I was a teenager, 17, 18, I finally got my license in the state of New Hampshire, and I got my first car. I was so excited. It was the thrill of a lifetime. Got my car, and uh, one of the things that we did in the wintertime was we did a lot of skiing, and I had a bunch of buddies that we'd get together and do some skiing, and man, I couldn't wait to get my car. I couldn't wait to get my license. I was going to go skiing. So finally, one day came. I got my car. I got my license. I'm all ready to go. I got the boys. We're piled in the car, and I'm going up the highway. And I go to a place called Waterville Valley. Now, Waterville Valley was in more the northern part of, of New Hampshire. And it was one of those mountains called an upper tier mountain, which meant don't, don't, don't go if you're an average everyday skier. <laughs> it's not really the mountain for you. It was an, an immediate, uh, intermediate to expert type mountain. If you know how to ski, go. If you don't, be careful. So anyway, I, we get there and we get excited and we're, we got our skis on. We go up to the top. The boys want to do one run right in the beginning of the morning, we go to this part of the mountain. It's a double black diamond. And for those of you who don't ski, that would be the most difficult you could possibly find. And there's a vertical drop, excuse me, there's a vertical drop of like 500 to 600 feet, meaning it's pretty straight down. It's basically right carved out of the trees. It's a mogul minefield. I mean, it is crazy. And of course, what teenager doesn't want to go there? The boys get in line. We literally have to get in line to get down this particular trail because once you go down, if somebody falls, you're in big-time trouble. You got, everybody's got to wait. 
And so you kind of go down this thing one by one. And I get to this part, and the boys are lined up, and I read the sign. You know what the sign said? Beware. Utter abandon. That was the name of the trail. Utter abandon. (laughs) You see, that's what renounce is. This is what Joshua is asking the people to do. Joshua comes to these people. He gives them the banner of remembrance of all that God has done and the greatness of God and all that has transpired and the fact that they live in a land that they did not, that they did not build, the cities they didn't build, the vineyards they didn't plant. And then the next thing he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's who I'm choosing today. You choose that. And the people all cried out, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. But then Joshua takes it a step further. (laughs) Joshua takes it a step further. He says he's going to make a covenant. Oh, well, now wait a second. Okay, it's one thing for us to stand up and say, we will serve the Lord. We will obey God's voice. We will do exactly what God tells us to do. But he says, really? All right, let's make a witness. Let's build a covenant. Let's build an altar. We're going to make a covenant. Now, that's a step further. What kinds of step furthers do you and I need to make in our lives? What are those measures, those steps that I need to take, that you need to take? Because, sure, we're following the Lord. Many of you believe and love the Lord been a part of the work of the ministry and part of the church. Maybe some of you are finding about faith about first time, or you're new in the faith, or you're just discovering what biblical Christianity and faith and the Word of God is all about, and your journey is not sure exactly where your journey is in Christ. You're looking at this passage. You're trying to gather in, at this point, what is, what is my practical sense here? What is it that God's impressing upon me? What do I need to do? Joshua comes to these people, young and old, whether they've been in Christ a long time, whether they've been following God since the days of Egypt, or they've been following God just recently because they came from the Jordan and they joined, they joined up because they were born into these families and they were born into these tribes and they were born into this whole children of God scene. And they've grown up, they're teenagers, they're 20, they're 30 years old, and and uh, Joshua brought them to Jericho, and they overcame incredible obstacles, and they did incredible things to destroy the the people there, to be able to conquer all that they conquered, to, to allow God to do great things. And now each tribe is in their location, each place. As a matter of fact, this place of Shechem is very significant even for that, because this is the land of Ephraim. And Ephraim was those who gave this part of that land of Israel to the Levites, the priests, the people that were going to provide the law. And so these are very important moments. And so these people are gathered, young to old, and he's looking at them and he's saying, all right, it's time to make a covenant. It's time to build the altar. If you're truly going to obey the voice of God, then let's build a monument Let's have a covenant. 
let it be a witness to us that you have renounced other gods, that you have utterly abandoned all other gods, that you are not going to intermingle and intermarry all these people, and you are not going to serve other gods. You are going to serve God only. And he looks at them and he stands with them and he says, look, this book of the law of God, and he took this large stone and he set it up there. And the people said, behold, this stone shall be a witness that we have heard the word of the Lord and that we're going to follow it. Friends, maybe this is a moment for you to say, you know, there's some areas of my life that... Um, I need to renounce. I need to utterly abandon. You see, following the Lord isn't really a percentage-based idea. <laughs> it's all or nothing. We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to obey the voice of the Lord. We're going to utterly abandon everything else. That's a big step. But that's the great book of Joshua and his message that he stood before the people and he said, it's time for the covenant, time for a witness, set something up, and maybe you need to do that. Maybe even physically you need to do that. Something that you see and you can put in your hands and you can identify with it. You say, I took that moment, and that's why we do things like at campfires of throwing something in the fire. Or that's why sometimes we do altar calls or, or even baptism where we ask not only to come before and to present yourself, but to be seen and be a witness uh, 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 for that you are going to follow God. See, th those are moments of significance that say, I'm renouncing everything else. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I trust that in your life, if those things need to be renounced, that you'll do that today. And you come before the Lord and present yourself. And it'll be a witness, and it'll be a covenant with you and God that you have renounced those things. So let this be a great day of victory. Let it be a day of, of conquering. And the reason that is is because Joshua, in his day, took these people, and they got into the promised land, and they were there with great joy and with great pleasure because he, he gave them everything he needed, and God has given to us all that we need. And so in that moment, he's saying, it's time. Remember? Choose, renounce, and let's serve the Lord together. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful this morning and these days for what you have given to us. I'm thankful, Lord, for this great passage of Scripture, this individual who loved you and who followed you and believed in you and you used to bring the children of Israel into this moment of conquer and this moment of victory. But he was wise enough to come and bring the people together and present themselves before you, and consecrate their lives afresh and anew. And I pray that you might help us to do that. I pray that through the book of Joshua, we might have learned great things. And we will take these moments, these days, to renounce things in our lives that we need to get rid of, that we need to live a life of utter abandonment for you, Lord. Because that's what you require of us. I'm reminded of the New Testament passage of Scripture that says, Be holy, for I am holy. That's the level that you want from us.
So I pray that you might help us to do that. And I'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.